and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like urban legends, aliens, UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, or that one target cashier that comments on everything you're buying. My name's Colleen. My name is Everett. Cucumbers today? Yeah, there's... There's one guy who like picks up every item and comments about it, or, or they're like, "Where where'd you get this?" Yeah, with the, with Target lady. Anyway, you know what else is spooky? What? No matter how many friends you have, how close you are to your family, no matter how much you love your spouse or your pets or your children or all of the stuff that you have, you're still gonna die alone. Says who? <laughs> what if we died in a car crash together? Yeah, but you still have to face it by yourself. You don't know that. What if we died in a car crash together and we both like woke up in front of the pearly gates together? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 7-Eleven. Or 7-Eleven or like wherever you end up when you die. You don't know. You're making a blanket statement. Okay. Was that just a random statement you decided to make? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. I have something I have something else that's spooky too. All right, go for it. So, you know what's like kind of sad? And I haven't been on Facebook in a very long time, just in general. But you know those like older people that are on Facebook and like they're just making a fool of themselves commenting on suggested promoted ads on Facebook. Yeah, yes, okay. I feel like I am now that as a nearly 30-year-old man on TikTok. Do you comment on things? No, no, no. I just feel like I'm infringing or getting in the youngin's way now. Yeah. If you ever start doing one of those TikTok dances, that's when I know we're going to have to sit down and have a talk. <laughs> well, guess what? What? I found something on TikTok that led me to today's episode. Oh, really? Mm. All right, so maybe it's not all bad. I mean... I'm not going to talk about TikTok. Either you like it or you don't. But I found something that I've never heard of on TikTok, which made me go into a rabbit hole and figure out what this is. All right. And Spill. it is the Bennington Triangle. Those words mean nothing to me. <sighs> this is what it is. Okay. It's a loosely defined area in southern Vermont that contains Glastonbury Mountain and the surrounding towns of Bennington, Glastonbury, Shaftesbury, Woodford, and Somerset. Okay, so that's a pentagram. No, I mean, it's a triangle of area, but those towns are within it. They're not bordering it. <laughs> okay, all right. They're just within the well, area. When you, when you list the names, I'm picturing each point as an edge. But you're just, somebody drew an arbitrary triangle and those those cities happen to be... Pretty much, it's loosely so defined. So why does it have to be a triangle? It's because there's another triangle in Massachusetts that this is kind of similar to, and it also is similar to the Bermuda Triangle, where it's just okay, this so area. Okay, so they're using triangle in the way that people use Watergate. Yes. So it's not actually a triangle. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> YouTube gate, Trump gate, Biden gate. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, what this is, people go missing here. Okay, so like, so like, like any an other triangle. triangle. Yeah, like any other triangle. So... These towns that I mentioned once were actually thriving industrial towns, uh, usually from logging, lumberjacks. So what, like late 1800s? Yes. But all of these towns were pretty much immediately abandoned going into the 20th century. So most of the area now is untouched wilderness and 
has since been the site of a string of disappearances, but also unexplainable sightings and unsolved murders. <laughs> okay, but wait, uh, you abandoned for what reason? Just logging was no longer possible? Yeah, and it's not really close to, at least from my understanding, not really close to much because it is basically forest. Okay, but people do surrounding live there mountains. now. I only checked the census data for one of the towns because this I felt like this kind of gave me an idea of how all of these towns are. Okay. But as of 2010, six people. That was okay, in one so of the towns. Okay, so they're not, they're like, they're like they're families. Towns. They're <laughs> ghost like a towns. family home. Okay. They, all these buildings are like abandoned and stuff, but it doesn't really matter because no one is really living in these towns anymore. Okay. Except Bennington. I, I believe Bennington has actually got a small population. Okay. But they're very, 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 very small towns, more like cabins in the woods yes. than a town. So due to the mystery of the events that happened in the area in the mid 20th century, the term Bennington Triangle was first used by author Joseph Citro in 1992. Okay. So, starting in 1945, 74-year-old Mitty Rivers was the first of several disappearances in a five-year period. Rivers was a local hunting guide, and in late 1945, he led a group of four hunters in an area of woods near Glastonbury called Hell Hollow. Okay, well, that's a sign. Mm -hmm. During their trip, Rivers suddenly vanished... And the four hunters were unable to locate him. They searched for a little while and, like, had no idea where he went. He just disappeared. What, like, he went off to pee and never came back? Or, like, he vanished in front of their eyes? Not vanished like, in front of their eyes, but I think they were maybe setting up something or, you know, taking a break. And then he maybe he did go to pee or something, and then he was just gone. Like, I looked away for two seconds and he was gone? Yes, that and that's, that's how most of these stories are going to be. Okay. Interesting. So, as I said, the hunters tried to find him, but after the initial search, they had to give up, and they made their way back into town. Like, they can't stay out there forever. Sure. So the locals believed he would make his way back into town soon enough because he was an experienced woodsman and was very familiar with the area. So they waited for a few hours. And after he failed to return, a search party was formed. It was nearly 300 locals and U.S. Army soldiers set out to find him. How'd they get soldiers involved? In this story, I'm not sure, but this is going to happen in other stories, too, where they get army from... Actually, the state of Vermont or Massachusetts nearby. Okay. But I, it didn't specify. For I mean, this like, one. if I went missing, the army's not going to come searching for me around here. I think it is close to a base, too. Okay. This area. And he'd only been missing for a couple hours. So this was. Mm, I think the search party was later in the evening or maybe the next morning. Right. But I mean, he hasn't been missing for a full 24 hours. He's been missing for. No. Just a little bit. Okay. But after eight days of combing the area, they not only didn't find him, but also found absolutely no evidence of him ever being there recently. Like no footprints? No no footprints. No, no clothes. No clothes like ripped on a branch or anything. No blood if yeah, there was an attack. I was going to say, if there was an animal attack, they'd find Oh yeah, him. they would find yeah, I mean, ev either evidence of him or maybe if it was like an actual fight where he's defending himself like tufts of hair from an animal too right but i mean it's been 24 hours i don't think he would have been like completely well it's been eight days right but they started the search within 24 hours i would imagine that if there is a animal attack they would have found him prior to eight days having passed don't you yeah think? no that's what i'm saying there's absolutely no evidence right this. i'm just i'm trying to come up with a reason why they wouldn't be able to find him and well, don't cannot. worry about don't worry about reasons okay sorry. we're gonna okay. go through everything okay okay sorry. so to this day his remains were never found okay 
1946, the next year, 18-year-old Bennington College student Paula Weldon was the next victim to the Bennington Triangle. Many actually argue that her disappearance is the most infamous in all of Vermont's history. So not even just this area, but the entire state. Okay. During the end of her Thanksgiving break, she decided to take a hike on a portion of a long trail near Glastonbury Mountain. So that's like the mountain that's centered in the triangle. She was last seen on December 1st, 1946, wearing red. And many actually do believe her choice to wear red was a conscious decision on her part in order to be found in case she did get lost. Okay, good. Good plan. So she was to attend class the following day, because this was a Sunday, but she failed to show up for her lessons. A search party of over a thousand people were formed, and even a reward of $5,000 was offered for any information that led to finding her. And I did actually pull up a inflation calculator for this <laughs> fine, just out of curiosity, because I know we've brought that up in past episodes too. So in today's money, that's $70,000. Oof, there's no way I would be able to pull that much. Nobody would offer $70,000 for this. <laughs> so she just went for a hike. Yes. And it by Never herself. Too. Okay, well, that is not. We're not going to. We're not going to victim blame. No, but. very true. But folks always bring a buddy or tell people exactly where you're going and well, when she you'll did. be back. She did tell people exactly where she was going, but she still got lost, disappeared, and no one found her. So, in addition to the money and the amount of eyes on the search, several different law enforcement departments and multiple aircraft also aided the search. So despite the amount of people and officials aiding in the search, many believe that the search was extremely unorganized. Okay. And this actually led to the creation of the Vermont State Police only a few months later. The Vermont State Police weren't even a thing? All around this time is when the state police was formed in a lot of states. As opposed to like local city police? Correct. Okay. So rumors were flying around the local communities after this. Some say that she moved to Canada with a boyfriend. Others say that she became a hermit in the mountains. <laughs> okay. But no clues were ever found, and to this day, the case is open. And like I said, this is one of the more infamous cases in Vermont. So this is something that, you know, maybe if, like, there's a new officer that's put on cold cases, they'll look at this one. E- even now? Yeah. I mean, the thing Just is, the thing is, like, I don't think we're ever going to solve this. This is nearly a century ago now. It's about 80 years ago. Right. So... I mean, I, this is 1940s, so I don't know how uh, much people paid attention to this, but, like, were there any signs of mental illness or running away or... No. Nothing nothing written down that you know Nothing, of. Nothing written down, but the thing is, if... If this is 1940s and she is a college student, I feel like that's already kind of, like, unusual. Just, like, a, a woman going to college in the United States mm-hmm. at this time. Compared to now, for sure. Well, right. So, I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, she probably was fairly intelligent and... I'm got just, a clear head and a yeah i just if she was expected to go to class the next day it's weird to assume that she would run away either with a boyfriend or to become a hermit like something had to have happened to her i mean the thing is it's possible that one of those two things happened but there's no evidence of anything how often do people just go off to become hermits <laughs> not often it's probably more likely she ran away if out of those two options but regardless there's no evidence that points to any well, can't conclusion they just look for her boyfriend in that case I'm sure that he was easily These were just rumors. Right. Okay. Got you. So, exactly three years to the day after Paula vanished, an extremely odd disappearance took place. 
So on December 1st of 1949, 68-year-old James Tedford boarded a bus back to Bennington after visiting relatives out of town. The driver and several passengers confirmed that Tedford boarded the bus and was seen up until the last stop before Bennington. And when the bus reached Bennington, Tedford was no longer on the bus and no one had left the bus at this Bennington stop. His belongings were left on the seat and in the luggage rack above him, but he was nowhere to be found. So according to the people on the bus, he had to have disappeared somewhere on Route 7, just outside of Bennington, before that stop, but after the stop previous. Okay. And he was never seen again. So, that bus never stopped between those two stops. And And he was on the bus. And he was confirmed to be on the bus. So he just went, he vanished. But, okay, so I do get, I mean, I don't get this. This makes no sense. This is like weird, weird. But... When I take public buses, I'm not like staring I don't think this was this wasn't around. a public bus. This was like a coach bus. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is if I'm on a bus and it's not like, you know, a high school field trip with everybody where I know everyone on the bus, I'm not keeping track of the other people on the bus. You know? So, I guess I can see why people wouldn't notice exactly when he went missing, but how many people were on this bus? I, I th- the thing with coach buses is like you know it's not usually full. It's just people. That's what I mean. Wouldn't it be more noticeable then if somebody that, went yes, missing? Yes, exactly. And the driver can because the driver has to know where to stop, right? Because he yeah. knows where people are getting off. These buses, you have point A to point B destination. The driver knows where you're stopping. Right. They've got. So designated. he was like, no one got off the bus here. Where is he? Is he sleeping? You know. So they look through the bus and. That's so weird. And then they were like, oh well, and just continued on i imagine well, obviously they reported it but yeah like, but i mean at what point do you just say like we still got places to go i guess but the, i mean the weirdest i mean other than him vanishing and the weirdest thing is that his stuff was still there so it's it's not like he just took his stuff and got off at the stop the stop previous without anyone noticing yeah. they were just left there i guess i just assumed his stuff would be gone too that's even weirder that's weird. Well, okay, it's not weirder than the fact that he yeah, disappeared but, off of a moving bus, but it's it's harder to explain if he hadn't taken his stuff with him. Because right. why pack his stuff if he was planning on? And I was trying to think of what could have happened here, and I'm like, maybe he just like opened a window and jumped out. But the thing is, like, someone would have noticed that. Yes, that is sure. not something that would go unnoticed. I mean, maybe nobody would have stopped him, but. But somebody would have been like, hey, I saw this older man climb out of a, the bus window whilst the bus was still moving. Right. And I'm trying to think of other explanations for this one specifically. And it's like maybe someone captured him and put him into like a big suitcase or something. But again, someone would have noticed that, too. Yeah, so he literally bus, just yeah. disappeared on this bus. That's Maybe he was abducted by aliens. <laughs> so we'll come back to that. In mid-October of 1950... Eight-year-old Paul Jepson went missing. He was last seen in his parents' pickup truck while they were tending to their pigs. Hundreds formed a search party to look for the little boy, and the sheriff brought in a sniffing dog. The bloodhound picked up the scent of the boy, but lost it at a crossroads in the road. And this led many to believe that he was actually abducted in a vehicle of some kind at this intersection. 
And some people actually believe that this is the same intersection that Paula Weldon disappeared four years previously. So she was the college student. <gasps> like a Faust, but like there a does not, legend? At least for my research, there doesn't seem to be actual evidence to support that claim. Okay, so it could just be a rumor. But it was the general area where she was abducted. Or not abducted, but uh, disappeared. But most likely abducted by aliens Maybe. is what you're trying to say. No. <laughs> so, after some time without any leads... Locals began to gossip. Sure. Rumors were started, and some said that the boy may have been killed by his parents and that the body was fed to the pigs. I totally just watched an episode of Criminal Minds where that was pretty much the exact plot. That happens on a lot of TV shows and movies, because, I mean, there's no evidence left behind whatsoever. Well, that's my point. It's not completely unlikely. This may have had something to do with the quote that Paul's father later gave to the Albany Times Union. He said that it could have been the lure of the mountains that took Paul as he had talked of nothing else for days prior to his disappearance. Interesting. And Paul Like Jeff's, there was some force that was drawing him to Right. Him. And he was never found. Sure. Like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. That that, re- that, so far out of the ones we've talked about, this one I feel like is the most likely that there was foul play. Yes. And I was thinking that as you started telling the story, like kids disappear all the time. I mean, like, I mean, and, and I don't mean it in like, oh, kids just disappear. I mean, people are always taking kids. Kids are having accidents. Maybe he like f- fell somewhere. But the, the, this one. I mean, the bus one was obviously on the bus, but this one wasn't in the forest. It was either on their property or someone or somewhere where the family generally was often because they were tending to their pigs at Mm -hmm. the time. So that's what makes me think that it was either a family member or a relative or a friend because it was somewhere where they were. So. He was or probably he taken. truly did wander off. I mean, if he That's was, possible. if yeah. they were busy, he was supposed to be sitting in a truck. I'm sorry, how old was this kid? Eight. Eight. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just, they're doing stuff. They're not going fi- to, like, catch me. I'm going to go check out the mountains now. Yeah. I mean, it, but, it, but the thing is that search party was formed again for this kid, and they searched the property and the surrounding woods. So still no evidence of anything. But don't you think it would have been more likely that he would have been found if there was a search party and there had been foul play? Unless they actually did feed him to the pigs. Uh, yeah. Bone and all. They'll eat every, anything and everything. That's true. So. Okay. That one, I, 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 I can see the skepticism there. Only about two weeks after Paul disappeared... 53-year-old Frida Langer went missing on the Somerset area of the Long Trail. She was an experienced hiker and was very familiar with the area. She was with her husband and her cousin, Herbert Eisner. About a half a mile into their hike, Frida fell into a stream, which forced her to turn around to get a change of clothes. Frida's husband was still at their camp during this time because he had hurt his knee earlier. And during the time that Frida was heading back to their camp, she disappeared. So her husband never witnessed her return, and her cousin never found her again on the hike. And I believe he stayed there for a little while, waiting for her to come back. So, like, maybe he went to go finish the hike and then turned no, I back. No, I think he waited there, but after an amount of time that seemed unreasonable, he also headed back to camp. And talk to her husband. Sure. Okay. So and she, she was nowhere. Disappeared somewhere between her cousin and her husband. Which was about a half a mile of area. 
Okay. So. And that can't have been that much time that had passed. No. Between n- not her a terrible having been amount seen of by time. the cousin and her being discovered missing. So another search party was formed. Helicopters from the Connecticut Coast Guard and the U.S. Army in Massachusetts assisted locals in searching for her. As many as 400 people, including the Massachusetts National Guard, searched the surrounding areas for several days and yet found nothing. However, this is the first disappearance in five years with an actual update. Oh. About six months after Frida had gone, her body was found near the Somerset Reservoir. This was a fairly open area and was actually an area that was combed through several times during that initial search. And even though her body was found, it had decayed to the point that a cause of death could not be determined. So nobody had any clue what led to her death or her disappearance. And, of course, it's extremely odd that they combed through that reservoir, but didn't find her six months earlier. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that someone placed her body there. That's what it sounds like. Or someone's hiding something. Well, someone would have had to have placed it back there anyway. Or it was there the whole time, and, and someone at the search it, party okay. was maybe a murderer yeah. and said, oh, I got that area already. Let's go over here. I mean, there are a lot of people that get killed on hiking trails, and not from, like, wildlife or dehydration, but, like, because of creepy stalker killers. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's trails- an entirely... Uh, a different episode we could talk about because of all of the deaths and disappearances that happen in national parks. That's yeah. like a phenomenon that's been happening. There is a podcast past. about that. Yeah, no, I've heard several, but I'm just saying that could be another episode. Yeah. Because dozens, if not hundreds of people yearly disappear or get killed in these national parks in the United States. True. I'm going to put this one with the story of the little boy and that to me, it is mysterious, but. Could be the there's, husband, could be the cousin. Yes, and there's like an, I mean, there's ways you can explain it that makes sense, even if. But there's definitely something fishy going on. Yes. Because yeah. the area she was found in was already searched. Right, right, yes. But Supposedly. I mean, there are, there are mundane reasons for that to have happened. Let's talk about theories. Got it. Yes, please. Aliens. So in hindsight, now that we're in the 21st century, the most logical conclusion is that there was a serial killer in the area between 1945 and 1950. However, there are certain arguments that point to this not being the case. So typically a serial killer will have a pattern when it comes to the victims, but the victims in all of these cases varied in age, sex, and background. Mm -hmm. The victims were also from several different areas in the town, so they weren't geographically similar except for being in this triangle of land, but they didn't come from the same small towns for the most part. The fact that only one body was found and literally no other evidence was found in any of the cases makes it hard to believe that a serial killer was skilled and lucky enough to commit so many crimes without being noticed. Yeah. Because not only would you need to know what you're doing if you're a serial killer to get rid of evidence, but you would have had to have a lot of luck to get away with all of these. Right. And I guess I'm thinking if if I'm a serial killer mm-hmm. and I had success, say, on a hiking trail, mm-hmm. I would likely stick to that. I mean. What do you mean to that? I, I wouldn't, like, 
venture into somebody's farm next and steal their kid mm-hmm. and then go on a bus. Like, I, I feel yeah, like if and- you had a successful murder in in a hiking trail, like, you would kind of stick to that. Right. And also, MO. a serial killer definitely doesn't explain the bus incident. There's yes. no way someone could have killed someone on that bus without others noticing. Right. So, some say... And this, again, doesn't apply to the bus. But some say that wildlife, such as a lynx or a bobcat, may have been to blame, at least in some of the cases. But many factors, again, point against this. So these types of animals are not typically aggressive unless they're provoked. And even if it were an animal attack, some kind of blood or ripped clothing or hair would have had to be left behind. There would or be any something, yes. something, even if it's just like a bone fragment, there would be something, and, don't you think? And literally all of these cases, search parties were formed within a day or two, if not right. immediately. So and there, we all know there wouldn't animals- have been even bone fragments. They would have found blood for sure right. or clothing. Right. And I can't imagine an animal other than <laughs> a group of pigs is going to consume the entirety bones and all of a body in under 24 hours there's there's definitely nothing local to this area that's big enough that could do that so of course there's bears but i think the biggest bears at least from my understanding in this area would probably just be a brown bear which are definitely not as big as a grizzly bear or a kodiak but even so i can't imagine I guess I don't. I can't speak to grizzly bears or Kodiaks. I've, I have no idea. What well, how right. Much they yeah. Eat. <laughs> even the biggest bear, a polar bear, if it were to hunt down a person and consume the body, I feel like it would take more than twenty four hours. For sure. That's what I was. <laughs> like at. there would be body left to find, and people, I assume, kind of know where these bears, if it was in fact a bear kind of I, and reside. I think, so and I, I would think they're imagine, pretty rare, too, in this area. Right. So I would imagine you would kind of know where to look if you were suspecting bear, bear foul play. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what we're saying is no evidence of an animal attack. Yeah, yes, okay. So, since there's really little to go on, or the mysteries have actually caused a lot of speculation regarding the paranormal. Mm-hmm. So the Vermont wilderness is actually no stranger to Uf- UFO sightings. Nice. So some do believe that some or all of these disappearances in the mid 20th century were because of alien abductions. Um, some, meaning us, you and me, the two of us together. <laughs> well, it, it's possible in all of these cases, except the last one, a body was found. What if... Okay, let's bring this back to the Allagash incident of mm-hmm. last week where they were returned exactly in the same positions they were. Yeah, but she was dead. Well, maybe they did a, a, too much probes this time. Well, here's something, here's something to support the UFO theory. So one fact that many hold on to in order to support it is the pattern of the disappearances. Mm-hmm. So they all occurred in the last three months of the year all in the late afternoon or early evening. And I think the time that happened for most of these was between four and five. Okay. Um, there was some kind of contradictory things I was reading about it, but it seemed like it was all in that time of day. Okay. The fact that so many of the same geographical area vanished in the same time of year around the same time of day is very odd. And some speculate that if it was aliens, it is possible the conditions had to be right for them to abduct someone, which explains that time of day and time of year. 
Yes. Yeah. I guess I would like more of an explanation as to why they would think certain conditions would have to be right for an abduction. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're talking aliens, so I, anything could be the explanation. Any, but. Anything is possible. <laughs> well, maybe the actual reason for people vanishing is due to the area's local cryptid. What? The Bennington Monster is a creature nearly identical to most Bigfoot legends around the country, and stories of the monster actually date back to the early 1800s. Most Bigfoot stories say that Bigfoot is a creature that is either scared or indifferent to humans, but this is what makes the Bennington Monster different. It's a black-haired, large-footed beast, but it is extremely aggressive to humans. Hmm. So the earliest documented story of this creature states that it rammed into a stagecoach full of people, turning it on its side and causing everyone to fall out of it. Then it turned and roared at them before running back into the forest. Okay. So, perhaps an undiscovered Bigfoot variant is to blame for everyone going missing. I'd, I'd like to believe that's it, but that quote-unquote confirmed encounter with a stagecoach sounds like really loud and noticeable, mm -hmm. as opposed to the complete silence of all of these disappearances. Okay, I want to say something here. I absolutely hate how anti-Bigfoot you are, oh my God. but pro-alien you are. Per our series on Skinwalker Ranch, can't accept the fact that Bigfoot is most likely an alien. Okay, the f I'm actually a little concerned that you're actually angry from the look on your face. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Bigfoot is not an alien. Bigfoot is a Bigfoot. If he was an alien, we would call him an alien, but we call him a Bigfoot, and Bigfoot is pretty much, by definition, an undiscovered humanoid, as in humanoid, humanoid, literally all that means bipedal. That's all it means. OK, the greys are I humanoid. Will, I will take away the word humanoid, an undiscovered terrestrial creature. There's nothing that says it has to be terrestrial. Look what? at Chewbacca, Star Wars, yes. literally Bigfoot. Yeah, but that's if, what it is. OK, sure. He seems like it, but I would never call him a Bigfoot. I'd call him an alien because we know where he's from. Oh Space. So after 1950, <laughs> the strangeness did not stop in the Bennington Triangle. So to this day, there are still regular UFO sightings, re oh, okay. reports of the Bennington monster and other odd, unexplained sightings. So we may never know what truly happened to all of those disappearances in the area, but the high strangeness that continues may give us a clue. So I actually found a short article of a recent event that occurred in the Bennington Triangle. Okay. And because it did kind of stick out to me compared to other things I was reading, I actually wanted to read it in full. So this is from the Bennington Banner, which is a local paper. This was written on October 4th of 2008. So not super recent, but compared to 1950, very recent. Right, yeah. I was going to ask, like, why would people still consider this a triangle if it all stopped in the 50s? But Well, it wasn't even coined. The term wasn't coined until 1992. Right. Robert Singley got lost in the Bennington Triangle on Sunday night. But unlike some who were lost before him, the Bennington College music composition teacher lived to tell his story. Mm. So this is his quote. Right before I lost the trail, everything like crescendoed into this weird sort of dizzying confusion. It just suddenly got dark and then it was like, what? Where am I? What's going on? I was totally lost. So Singly 27 went out for a day hike on Sunday off Harbor Road in Woodford Hollow. 
the exact same place where Paula Weldon, a Bennington College sophomore, was last seen some 62 years ago. Okay. He was planning to do some composing, and he had been working on a string quartet. After eating lunch on top of Bald Mountain, he walked a short distance along the ridge line north towards Glastonbury, turning back, checking out the white rocks to the west, and then started heading back east towards his car. So he had walked about four or five miles, and he should have been back at his car within three miles. I swear I was walking on the right trail, he had said. That's when the fog rolled in, and it started getting dark. Singly, wearing heavy boots, long shorts, a long sleeve shirt with a wool sweater and rain jacket, a winter hat, and had mittens on in the cold, rainy night. Wait, with shorts? Long shorts. What does that mean? I don't know. What is he? What? <laughs> That's the weirdest thing about this story so far. So he was, it was getting dark, so he pulled his headlamp from his pocket or from his pack. Sure. Okay. It was broken. Of course. He had no compass, no GPS, no map, no watch. And this is in 2008, so most people didn't have smartphones yet either. Unable to locate the trail, Singley found refuge under a large maple tree. And this is another quote. I was kind of like drawn to it in the middle of the night. It was really expelling a weird sort of, I don't know, a weird, really weird haunting energy, whatever that means. <laughs> so an experienced hiker singly stayed calm and tried to get some rest. However, he was too cold and wet to fall asleep. He started to work on a fire, but he kept stumbling upon large animal bones in his blind search for wood. He finally came across some dry birch and was able to start a fire with matches and a page of a composition book he had brought in his pack. The night was eerily quiet, other than the loon-like call of a lone fisher cat. He started worrying, but, at, but only about his fiancée worrying about him. At this point, she had already called police, but the search was suspended until morning due to dark, foggy conditions. Sure, okay. The sun would come up eventually, he thought, and then he would find his way back. So once it was light enough, Singley, disoriented from the previous night, attempted to walk back toward his car. After three or four miles, he reached a wilderness sign. He was near the Goddard Shelter, almost at the peak of Glastonbury Mountain. I thought I was camped about a quarter mile from my car, he said, and instead I woke up totally on the other side of the ridge, literally six or seven miles away from where I thought I was. It didn't make any logical sense at all. Singley started walking back, and he passed the maple, but then the trail seemed completely foreign, like he had never been there before. Down trees crossed the trail. The pines looked different. It was stuff that he couldn't have missed. A short while later, at 11.30 on Monday, he was found by Vermont State Police. However, his morning location still remains a mystery to him. Either I took a side trail, which doesn't really make any sense, or something weird happened. Okay, here's my theory mm. about all of these minus the ones that we think are potential murders. So this is just your theory about this case? About the triangle. Oh, about the triangle. Right. Okay. I'm, kind of, I'm discounting the two that kind of sound like foul play. The kid and the lady whose body returned six months later. Mm -hmm. To me, those I kind of feel like don't belong. I am proposing alternate dimension. Portal. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Remember they said there were like holes in the sky where yes. they could see like a UFO or whatever mm -hmm. flying past. It was like a window. Mm -hmm. What if this is like a window? 
<laughs> but they like walk through it into this unknowingly into an an alternate dimension that is very similar to ours. Continue on, but then upon returning or like trying to return, they get stuck. That, that, okay, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, and I feel like that does. That is a possible explanation for this news story and also for that little boy and the college student. But for the rest of the stories, I don't think it does make sense because there were other people there, especially in the bus. Okay, so the bus is hard to explain. Bus but, is hard for me to explain. The little the, boy, though, to me, that does that's not all. Well, I guess if he like left he, the he truck had wandered, and wandered, he had wandered away. off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but okay. with with the the hunter or the hunting guide that was leading the hunters, that doesn't make much sense. Um, it doesn't really make much sense with uh, that last story where the woman disappeared between her husband and her cousin. Well, she was the one who was found later. Yes. So that one I discount anyways. Sure. But the, the hunter one does kind of make sense because if he just like stepped away to pee and That's true. fell he did, through a I think he did wander off, yeah. <laughs> or something. I said that, and here's the thing. A lot of these stories, not a lot, but a couple of them could be explained by foul play and probably were. But that does the, I'm saying out of five disappearances, mm-hmm. chances are foul play were involved yeah. with at least one or two of them. So most likely, I would say probably the little boy and probably the woman whose body was found. Yes, those were the two that yes. I would cut out. The bus one? Bus that, one is That shit weird. is bizarre. But the thing is, it's possible with the first story with the hunting guide, he was kind of older too. So maybe he like, you know, hurt himself and... They just were unable to locate his body. It's possible. Yes, but if he had wandered off a little bit, mm-hmm. gotten hurt, they w- I mean, there were search parties. They would have found his body. Most likely, yes. Uh, right. I guess I can't say they would have for sure, but it, it's unlikely that after eight days, they wouldn't have found a sign of him. Yeah. So what do you think, though? I don't think there is one explanation for all of the disappearances. No. It seems kind of skinwalker ranchy in that like just it's weird everything. Shit happens. Yeah, it's just one of those places where everything occurs at once. Yeah. That's weird. But, I like that. Yeah, it's just maybe just don't go there because weird stuff's still happening there too. That guy lost time. Well, not not really lost time, but just completely went into a different place that he wasn't before that's why that's specifically why i was thinking alternate dimension like he stepped through a fairy circle into a place that was similar but not kept walking and then did not realize he was in a different place than where he was huh? yeah I don't know. yeah okay i know that's but ridiculous. hey that, that's the story and if if there's anything that we may have forgotten that is involved with the bennington triangle that you know about let us know yeah or if you've ever been there just in one of the towns Maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us about it. As it is, I have an unrelated but fucking awesome news story that Everett has read. I have read. He's already aware of it. It's good, though. Really it's a good. good it, had, it, it had to be featured on this podcast. It must be told. The story must be told. It's, it's another podcast. Yeah, Leave it is. them alone. <laughs> okay, ready? Mm-hmm. This, is, this kicks ass. Bishop quits church after falling in love with satanic erotica writer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) Welcome 
Welcome. I don't, I mean, I don't write satanic erotica, but just welcome to non-church life, I guess. True. This is from the New York Post. This happened September, well, it was reported on September 8th, 2021 by Hannah Frischberg. And here's how it starts. This church official has chosen corsets over crucibles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Hannah, write it. Okay, a Spanish bishop known for supporting gay conversion therapy and performing exorcisms has left the Roman Catholic Church after becoming smitten with a writer of satanic erotic fiction. So, um, I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't want to make any generalizations about Catholic priests. <laughs> it just seems like maybe this is like the ultimate repression story, you know? Like the, the thing is, okay, I'm sure you'll read more into this story, but it sounds like she's just a normal woman, but she also has written satanic yes. erotica. Like that's just not that's not her job. That's a hobby. She's an erotic novelist. That's her job. Oh, um, well, I guess just the forbidden fruit. Then. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like maybe he st- stumbled across one of her works and was like, "There's more to life." I, I want to interject something here. <laughs> Please do. So, when it comes to... and the, the, Okay, first I want to preface this too. And I, I have potentially wanted to do an episode on this, but I just kind of held back because I didn't think a whole lot of people would have liked it. But when it comes to quote-unquote Satanism, it's not really a thing. Right. There like is Satan worshipping. Right. There is a Church of Satan, but they are atheist, and there's the Satanic Temple, and they're very similar to the Church of Satan, just a little more socially active when it comes to lobbying and stuff but what i'm trying to get at is most of the people that say they're members of these two institutions or just kind of get into the occult in general they're former catholics right so this is like an extremely common occurrence it's just weird that it's an actual bishop Yes, well, not only one, but one that was so fervently... Like anti-gay, like not very progressive. Yes. Right. One thing I will say, though, after studying witchcraft, as we have mentioned in our previous episodes, Mm -hmm. if there is any Christian institution that is magic adjacent in terms of like ritual... Yeah, that's true. Words like moving from one from Roman Catholicism to witchcraft is it's I mean, you're basically just switching out one God for another pretty much maintaining essentially the same types of rituals. And I have met someone, too, that says they are a practicing witch and Roman Catholic. Yes, she hasn't she hasn't given up the Catholicism, but also says she's a magic practicing witch. Right. Well, I mean, everybody has their own belief system. It's just, to me, well, it sounds dramatic, especially as somebody who was, like, raised in the Catholic Church, and it's very, you know, you are Catholic. It's very ritualistic. Yes, but, like, moving from one to the other, the feel of it is very similar, minus the whole, like, hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a discussion for a different day. Right now we're talking about freaking... Ex-Bishop Xavier Novell and his journey with a satanic erotica writer. 
So in addition to widespread media attention, the 52-year-old bishop's decision has also led to much internal criticism of the church. Some of his former colleagues told the Spanish media that they believed Novell to be possessed by demons. This situation is not a problem of celibacy, but rather of infestation. <laughs> and if that's the case, then kick ass! Yeah, I... Instead of trying to solve the core of the problem by addressing the fact that maybe priests and bishops should have spouses, they're just saying he's possessed. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. Like it's 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 an antiquated it's tradition. A, it's a way to hold on to power, at least the perceived power held by these bishops. Bishops are supposed to be like transcending. You know, they're supposed to be like pillars of moral. Yeah, they're supposed to be the successors to Peter and Paul, pretty much. Right. So, like, what does it say about they're actually fallible if they're able to rush, run off with Sylvia Caballol? <laughs> oh, what a satanic name. Erotic novelist. Um, the craziest thing, too, is, like, celibacy wasn't a thing until, like, I think it's like the Middle Ages or maybe like the 1200s. Like the yeah. first millennia of Christianity, priests right. and bishops were getting married. I just think it's crazy that like the internal church is saying it's not because he couldn't get married that we're mad. It's and he did. It's because he's possessed. Right. He would nobody would ever turn their back on our beliefs like that. It's so dumb. Yeah, I don't know. But this ex-bishop has admitted in previous interviews that his infatuation with this writer is not his first. Before becoming a man of God, he fell in love with and wanted to marry and have children with an 18-year-old girl. How old was he? I don't know. See, they, I feel like they just put her age in there to make it shocking. But if he's been a priest for like 40 years, yeah, then... Yeah, he, he may have like, also been 18. <laughs> I, see, that's that's misleading, New yes, York Post. Yes, it definitely is. But um, I just got to say, you know, follow your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. If one thing doesn't work out, go chase after that satanic erotica novelist if she's interested as well. Don't be weird about it. Well, they it. got married, right? Or did he just quit because he of her? He just quit because of her. Um, he says, let's see, I've fallen in love and I want to do things properly. Oh, well, they're just together. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they got ma okay. like, married right e away. Even so, even so, I fully support this gentleman in yeah. his endeavors. Good luck. Good luck, sir. Good, sir. You know what? I, he, it sounds like he did things the proper way by, like, leaving the church and then getting together with his... Mm-hmm. And not molesting. That was never in question. I, I really. would have also uh, loved to see a scandal, though, where a bishop was also secretly worshipping Satan. That would have been hilarious. It, honestly, though, would it surprise you if any of, like, the popes in the Middle Ages were known for worshipping Satan as well as being pope? It would not surprise me in the slightest. They all had, like, kids and mistresses. That's true. If, if the Crusades happened, anything is possible. <laughs> Anyways, moral of the story, follow your dreams. But not into the Bennington Triangle. Yes, or if you must, at least, like... Bring a buddy. <laughs> bring a buddy, or, like, write it all down and then leave it in a place that you know people will find. Yeah, we just want to know what really is happening. So if you're going to go there as an experiment, if you could, like, bring your cell phone. 
and just call someone when well, something the, fucky happens. The thing is, I mean, weird stuff still happens there, but no one's disappeared there since 1950. Right. So. And that is another question of mine. Like, what was it about I don't know, the man. end of the 40s and the beginning of the 50s? Maybe it was a serial killer. I don't know. But that's all we got to, for today. You know, don't you know? So if you have an episode topic request, a personal spooky story, or something you see that you want us to read in the podcast, send it our way. You can send it to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. All are at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at NerdSloth.com and put a little spooky in the subject line. We'd love to hear your stories. Colleen, give the listeners a hint of what we're going to be talking about next week. Conspiracy. About? You said a hint. That is a, your, that's your hint. Okay. You know what? No, I lied. I didn't, well, I didn't purposely lie. I lied on accident. I wouldn't say conspiracy. Let's say government program. <laughs> it's a really good one. We'll catch you all next week. Yeah. Talk to y'all later. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com. 